So welcome back to another episode of the Empowered Podcast. Today I am joined by Chris and I'm going to throw it over to you, mate. Put you straight on the spot yep. to tell us all about what it is that you do. And then we're going to get into some questions around that. Yeah, sure. So I'm a digital marketing freelancer. I essentially have my own agency, but it's just me. Right. And I do Google ads and search engine optimization for people and businesses. So yeah, I've been doing that for about a year and a half now. It's going, going quite well. I've have over 20 clients, probably worked with over 30. Um, yeah, just a wide range of businesses. And it's what I've been doing essentially for the past five, six years for other people. And now obviously doing it for myself. It's been a big difference. So what kind of inspired you to take the the plunge into, you know, working for other people and then saying, okay, I'm ready to do this for myself now. Yeah, I mean, I always wanted to do it literally from like the day I got into the career. Um, but what it was is I actually ended up getting a random message from someone on LinkedIn. So I was, I was recommended by someone to, to fix like a small social media problem. And someone else saw that post and was like, oh, well, I want to work with you but I don't want to work through your agency because it'll be like crazy, way more expensive. So it was like, how much would you charge if I just came direct? Um, and so, yeah, I just basically pulled a figure out of, out of the air and he like as a day rate and he was like, okay, well I want five days this month. Can you do that? And that sort of blew my mind. Cause I was like, wait a second, that's, that's my wage for doing five days worth of work. And so, yeah, that's essentially how it started. And then I started sort of taking it a bit serious and thinking actually, you know, I can do this now. I don't need to wait until I'm 35, 40, because that's what I thought I was going to have to do. Mm. Build up a bit of experience, build up a name for yourself, and then, yeah. um, you know, put yourself in a better position than you thought you would You would transfer over once you'd, you'd done that and you realised that you could do it a lot earlier. Yeah, I mean, I was already sort of managing an agency and had sort of, you know, I was basically doing everything except, um, you know, all the accounts and that sort of stuff. So I was getting the clients, I was going into the sales meetings, I was doing the entire process. But it never really occurred to me that, you know, people would trust me as an individual as they, as they did, to be fair, when they came into a business. It was me they were buying into after sort of the first initial inquiry. But I never thought they'd do that without me having an umbrella company with a bit more experience. Um, but I was totally wrong. Like that they, they definitely bought into me, if not more than they did with an agency. Well, I guess it's all about the results as well. And they know that if they are working through an agency, then that they're also paying for... Um, paying for the overheads of the agency exactly. and some of the money that they're putting into wanting to grow their business through their digital marketing is going into growing somebody else's business. Exactly. And some of the feedback I've had is that what a lot of these big agencies will do is they'll have someone who's really experienced and it might, you know, might, you know, it might be 10 years experience, it might be, you know, 40, 50 year old guy. And he's the one who will be talking to him on the sales calls. And as soon as that sale happens, as you know, it'll go down to, and it'll be like a university graduate who barely has any experience and you're essentially paying a premium to have someone with less experience you would use than if you used a freelancer. And so mm. using a freelancer is almost, you know, if I, if I had a friend who had a business, I would recommend they find a freelancer over using a big agency because you're going to get them cheaper and you're going to get them more experience. It's better along every margin. You know area. exactly who you're getting. Exactly. I think that's the key. Yeah. Um, and do you think that's why you are doing it by yourself at the moment do you, do you feel like it's something that you could see you bringing on other people to work with you or do you feel like your <laughs> niche is that you it's you who does mm -hmm. it yeah you've hit the nail on the head really I obviously want to expand and I'm sure I will turn into a fully fledged agency and take people on eventually but it is sort of you know I'm so I would have to go away from my USP to do that and that's one of the ways that I'm almost not stuck 
but it's, I'm, I'm treading very carefully in that I would never want to onboard someone who believes in me and then suddenly say, okay, actually he's this, you know, 21 year old graduate. You know, if I was going to bring someone on, they'd have to be as experienced. As long as there was transparency, I think. Yeah. I think that's the key, isn't it? With these agencies and with working with um, bigger businesses is mm -hmm. that they feel like because they've got such a, a name for themselves or such a trust in their business as a whole that they can actually just get away with a lot more. They're going to be like, ah, oh, well, you know, you, you came for us, you, you bought into the, the brand and this is the person that you get, you take yeah. it or leave it sort of thing. Whereas mm -hmm. if you're an individual and you're a freelancer, there's a lot more, you know, riding on it. Yeah. You can't afford to mm -hmm. just be blase, take it or leave it. You kind of have to get it right every time. Yeah. But at the same time, what I would say is when you're working for someone else, sometimes there's more pressure because you can't say, actually, I don't want to work with this client. And I've had that personally. And it's one of the best things about being a freelancer is, when I was working at agencies, I would sometimes get a company put in front of me like, okay, Chris, these are a client now. And I couldn't say, this isn't going to work for them. You've sold them Google ads. This isn't going to work. And I could tell from the very outset, this was not right for them. But because they've went through all the sales guys, I, you know, at that point, the contract signed, they're all ready and waiting to go. It's like, you've just got to go ahead and do it. Yeah. Whereas now I get companies that have came to me and it's happened quite often. And they've said, we want Google ads. And I've said, don't wait. Or they want SEO. That's a massive one as well. And I've just said, you're wasting your money. And if anyone else takes you on as a client, like they're literally taking you for a ride. And so mm -hmm. one of the best things about having your own business is being able to turn down clients that, yeah, have unrealistic expectations or, or sometimes not unrealistic expectations, but it just doesn't work for it them. It just doesn't work yeah. for them. Yeah. But I guess that's where the integrity comes into it. And that's where you can really build an amazing business. Yeah. Because if you refer them to someone, if you say, look, what you need here is interruption marketing, you need yeah. Facebook ads, you need to be on Instagram. This would suit way better to, you know, someone strolling through, you, pay per click, you're gonna get absolutely blown out of the water. Mm -hmm. There's some absolutely huge players in this, in, in your industry. You're never gonna afford to be able to compete. Yeah. You send them off to somebody else, they're gonna think, wow. Yeah. If uh -huh. I ever need this, mm -hmm. I'm working with him. Yeah. Because it's so easy, like, you know, it's difficult to make money. And it's not easy to it's not easy to build a business. If you're telling people to leave and go somewhere else, it just says a lot about yeah. you that you're not just like snatching on to. Oh well, yeah, we'll we'll make it work. Yeah. We'll we'll force this you know circle circle peg into a square Definitely. hole, and we'll we'll try and um we'll try and make it work. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about then you know break it down because I. I've got a bit of an understanding about how that whole world the, of the, the Google ads and stuff works, but yeah. you know, what is it actually that you're achieving for people? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's different for every sort of company, but let's say if you type in red dresses into Google, what you'll see is there's a lot of product listings at the top and that's called Google Shopping. And those ads are where people, you know, they're searching for an exact product. You go, you click on those ads and it's really just about coming up at the right time to the right people for the right searches in that you can make a profit. And obviously conversion rate comes into that quite a lot. Um, and you know, the bidding part of it, because what Google used to do is, they used to make a bid money. So they'd say, okay, you would pay one pound for this click. Someone else would pay two pound. They'll get the they'll get the the click and they'll come up more than you. Now that's all of that sort of optimi optimized automatically. And so what you're essentially doing is just putting in the terms people should be searching for, types of demographics, audiences, the remarketing, the creative, to be able to get people on your site and then obviously purchase. So you don't actually 
how does it work in terms of paying per click then? So is it just yeah. Google will put the right business in front of them? How do they determine what the right business is? Or is that the million dollar question? No, no, you're right. It, so it, it still is a bidding process, but it's all just optimized. But what you do now, and this is what a lot of really bad agencies and freelancers do, is they'll just run ads for a company and they'll say, this is how many clicks you've got. This is how much you've spent. These are the clicks that you came up for. And now the best agencies, and I would say it's the absolute minimum, but you'd be surprised. Um, you actually can feed that data, how many sales you got back into Google. And so you'll say to Google, I have 50 pound a month, uh, 50 pound a day I want to spend, which is more likely um, on say red dresses, like we did, said before. And then what you can do, let's say if it's a Shopify site or whatever sort of site it is, someone purchases, you can then feed that back into Google. So you can say, okay, we spent 50 pound today. How many sales did we get? And then Google will optimize to get the most amount of conversions in the bid is optimized based on that too. Right, okay. So they kind of built, are you building an avatar then in Google to say, these are the people who went through and bought, we want more people like this. Yeah. that or more searches like this. Rather. Yeah, a lot of that's automated now. You used to sort of do that um, manually. Nowadays, Google will see that information and then will bid more for those type of avatars. And so right. it, is, it is building an avatar, but it's more of an algorithm now rather than and using machine learning rather than doing it all manually. Right, okay. So when you're working with a client then, say for example, using the red dress yeah. um, analogy, what are you doing for them? So will they be giving you just what they want to succeed in, the links that they want to kind of, the products that they want to, you know, get out yeah. there and get more people seeing, and then you'll basically just go in and build that campaign for them? Yeah, so I'll be asking, I'll be looking into like their USPs, what makes them different, because you still need to put in all the creative, all the copy, and then you obviously need to go like put in what terms you want to come up for. And that might seem easy if, you know, if we're just using one sort of example, but let's say there's 10,000 products, which ones do you focus? How do you structure the campaigns? How much money do you put into this versus that? So there's a lot that goes into it and it, it gets really sort of complicated. Um, and then there's obviously, there's a different side to this because I don't just work with e-commerce businesses. I work with like large, long sales cycles, B2B companies, which are sort of, the exact opposite on, on a scale. And for them, it's sort of like how many leads are you getting? How many SQLs, you know, sales qualified leads are you getting? Mm -hmm. And like how much, how close are you getting to actual conversions, which might be, you know, 100K, 200K to over a million pound. So it's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it and the structuring and really having a deep understanding of the company is still super important. So... Does that limit you as to how many companies that you work with? Because you have to, you have to figure out. Okay, you have to figure out more about their business so you can understand and give them the best chance of, of kind of being successful. Yeah, absolutely. And what you'll do is you'll set everything up, and it's almost like a test. So no, like people come to me sometimes and they, they expect you to know if something's going to work straight away, and it's like it's that's not really how it works because the tiniest of nuance can make something work or not. Um. And so what you're going to have to do is sort of put out an initial sort of campaign theory in a way, and you think this is how it's going to work. And then you'll get back some data. Yeah. You'll see what conversions, what results you've got, what worked, what didn't. Because yeah. you can get granular. It might be red dress doesn't work, but red dresses, red dresses with sequins, because that's more specific, might yeah. work. And it's less cost. So you have to have a hypothesis at first. Exactly. As to what you think is going to be successful. And then you've got And then test. it's all about testing. Exactly. In the past, probably 10 years, I'd say 
I hear less and less people, especially smaller businesses, using Google ads and moving towards Facebook ads just because it's more, hmm. it's seen as being more expensive for pay-per-click. Yeah. Because obviously if you've got a high ticket product, yeah, it makes more sense. But if you've got a kind of lower ticket product, what is it about, you know, I see less people doing it as individuals. I know yeah. a lot of people who've got their own business who do their own Facebook ads. Yeah. But I see if people are going to go to Google, they're always kind of outsourcing it to yeah. somebody else. You know, it's not something that many people are doing themselves. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say comparatively to Google, to uh, yeah. Facebook and Instagram. Is it just more complicated? Yeah, so this, Facebook can be just as complicated, but what Facebook do, and it's unbelievable, and I'm not exaggerating when I say there's about six different ways you can run ads on Facebook. So the absolute basic is just to boost a post. And I mean, I wouldn't even class that as Facebook ads. It is really, but you know, there's a lot lower yeah, barrier to entry. Do with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. If Facebook's just giving you a button where yeah, you can yeah. click it and say, exactly. 26 pounds exactly. gets this seen by 10,000 people <laughs> and you go, okay, yeah, okay, thank you. Yeah. And you click on it and 10,000 people see it in Indonesia. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, there's a much lower night in, in, in Newcastle. There's a there's a much there's a much lower barrier to entry. But the other thing is as well is like, so Facebook you can generate demand. So let's say you want to I don't know. Let's say if you are a plumber business, you can't really do Facebook ads because if someone needs a plumber, they're going to Google plumber. They're going to go you know they're going to search for it. You yeah. can't say use my plumbing services. I'm amazing. Someone would. I mean, you could in a, in a way. Yeah, they could keep it in the back of their mind, but interruption yeah. marketing doesn't work very well for something that's high necessity. Because yeah. if you've got a leak, yeah. if your toilet is leaking everywhere and you exactly. have to wait for Facebook to tell you that this plumber's awesome. Exactly. Then yeah, you're, done. <laughs> yeah, you're having a, yeah. Exactly. You, that's something that you probably think, holy shit, yeah. I need a plumber now. Mm -hmm. So is it, is, would you say Google was better for kind of urgent, urgency or thing when people have already know in their head that they want something yeah that's what it is it's, you can't generate demand with google it's a demand capture tool essentially but on, on the flip side as well you actually can't use Go like because you can't use facebook for that but what you can't use google for is something that someone does not exist so i have a lot of companies that come we've got a brand new idea it's absolutely amazing we want to use google ads and i'm like okay what would people search to find you and they're like well, we're interruption. We're, we're the, brand new. Yeah. Like no one knows we even exist. No one knows could, what could you, sir, Could you optimize for the problem that they solve? Because yeah. I assume they're not solving a new problem. Yeah. They're, they're a better mousetrap. Yeah. You can go higher up in the funnel, but typically that converts worse. Because now you're competing with the thing that already does it that people know. And exactly. if people see the thing that they have no idea what that is exactly. versus the thing that has been doing it for ages. So yeah. that's where Facebook tells you a new thing. Yeah. With with a lot of what we do with the courses, we use a lot of Facebook and Instagram because mm -hmm. it's interruption marketing. It's remind it's telling people that they would like a career in the fitness industry. Yeah. It's catching them at the point where they don't know yet that it's something that they could do, especially through government funding. They might Definitely. not know if the government funding exists. So it's kind of interruption marketing, but then also you can our conversion is way lower than it would be through Google Ads, I imagine, because if you're having to tell someone that they need a new career, yeah, then when the next ad comes along telling them they need want to do something different, yeah, or they want to spend that money on a holiday, or they want to spend that money on it's you know, these people had to be told that they wanted a new career. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than going, I've always loved fitness, loved a career in the fitness industry. How do you become a personal trainer? Into yeah. Google, bang, 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 bang. Exactly. But on on the flip side of that as well, what you've got to remember is 
you'll probably get a higher conversion rate on Google. I mean, you definitely will because mm. people are searching for it. They're going to convert. But at the same time, that works. And lots of companies know it works. Therefore, the bids for those terms now go up and up and up. And it's almost like a self-balancing system where yeah. for things where Facebook and Google are both viable options, a lot of the time what you'll realize is the return on ad spends are very, very similar on both. Because what if something works really well on Google, people will pay more for it, you know, because they're making profit. And so it, it works less. And yeah. so it's, it's literally like a self-balancing system. Really. Is Google better for higher ticket stuff, would you say? For more expensive services or more expensive where, you know, you might pay. I mean, what's the, mo I have no idea about the like CPM and stuff for, I, I mean, wouldn't even work. It's, it's pay per click, CPC, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I have no idea of the actual amounts. Like what, what could you be pay paying for a, so what we're talking about here is one person yeah. clicking on, they've want to buy a, a course. Yeah. You've advertised that course. They click yes to your, your Google ad at the top there yeah. when you search on Google. What does that usually run somebody? Yeah, it could be as low as like 40 pence, which is really, really low. Typically, it's, it's normally about a pound. That's like the, you know, low competition. Um, but on the high end, you know, I think the actual highest has ever been is a cool little fact there was a really specific type of illness which people only got from something similar to asbestos. And it was lawyers who would like take a massive percentage of these claims, no win, no fee. Um, and they were paying, in America, it was around $350 for one click. If you're their competitor, what's stopping you sitting there smashing that <laughs> click? Is that a thing? Uh, is that it a used real to thing? be. It used to be. And it still is to a small extent, but Google is very good at sort of identifying fraud clicks and then undoes them. And we'll give you the money back now. Okay, but still, that could be very. If, if you, you do got 20, all your friends, yeah, yeah, and you do set, yeah. If you just do all your friends or like every single person, Absolutely. say you're a law firm yeah. with hundred people in the office, hundred percent, and you're gonna get them to click on it five times, hundred percent, yeah, and it's three hundred and fifty pound a click. Yeah, I've got a bad track record of doing maths on this podcast, <laughs> yeah. but it's a lot of money. <laughs> it so, is a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. So that's a real thing. Then that could actually absolutely three hundred and fifty dollars yeah. a click is wild. That's like three hundred pounds. And I've never seen that. I think the highest I've ever seen is around. Probably 20, 30, 40 pounds. What sort of business, what sort of thing is that for? Yeah. So one of them was, a, I mean, there's a few examples. One of them was a sales outsourcing company. And so they essentially did sales for, I mean, they would outsource basically a sales function, sort of like a, a marketing agency does. Um, and they're, you know, they were selling things that were like 500K up to like 2 million pound contracts. So you don't mind paying, you know, even if you. Exactly. What's the typical conversion rate then from somebody clicking on your ad? Yeah. To somebody actually following through and signing up or, or purchasing. Yeah. I mean, or, or being a lead. It, massive, it massively differs. Uh, so for e commerce, the, the goal is normally around 2 to 3%. If you're getting that, that's brilliant. So you're paying a pound per click. Yeah. So you're paying, so say you pay a hundred pounds for a hundred clicks. Yeah. Four people purchasing. Yeah. Address at a hundred pounds. So you have to really make sure that the average order value is high enough. Yeah. Yeah. So is that something that, people have to take into consideration. Yeah, so you've got to think about the average order value, but what's also really good with, I mean, there's a lot of metrics you need to take into account because there's that average order value, but then you've also got to think about, well, will these people come back? And so then you start talking about average customer lifetime value. Right, okay, so then then you go, okay, yeah, so where my protein, we sell protein, yes, we're, we're gonna break even on the first one because they pay 40 pounds exactly. for a bag of protein, yeah. but we know that 50% of our customers will purchase monthly. Yeah. And now we've got their email address and their number because they've ordered 100%. and on, on payday, 
I still get the messages from my protein <laughs> yeah, now. Me too. Payday, payday discount. Pay. So they know now they're paying not only for the first purchase, mm-hmm. but they're paying for that that data really on there. That's what the smart companies will do, yeah. I mean, some don't get past that. You'll be surprised, but a lot of companies know that. And like even the one that's a two million pound contract, that's a reoccurring thing. And so, you know, it can it can quickly I'm in the spiral. wrong fucking business, man. <laughs> who's, who's charging people two million? Two million pound or what? How often do they charge that? Oh, maybe like, maybe every year, two year, but depends on how many people. They might have, you know, five, six people who are constantly smashing the, the, the phones and, you know, they have clients like Deloitte, PwC. It's like all the companies you'd, you'd expect to have that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's easier than, you know, it's better than that than training a full sort of team and then having to pay holidays and think about, you know, they pay London wages and now we on commission and it gets pretty yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Obviously they're saving, whatever they're doing, saving their clients money 100%. or time because that's the only two things really. Yeah. So what are the businesses do? So e-com- So take e-commerce out of the equation, yeah. like service businesses. What are we talking about in terms of, you know, a pay-per-click for a service business? So yeah, I mean, so like Sol is one of the worst. I mean, in terms of CPCs, it can get over like eight, nine, ten what, pounds. What's that? Sorry, it's like solar panels. Sorry. Oh, solar panels. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's a common one people use Google Ads for and Facebook. To, to be fair, but the, yeah, the their cost per clicks are really so high. They sell solar panels to people. Yeah, or install them and actually go onto your roof and like you know do the full okay. thing. Okay, so you type in solar panels installation Newcastle. Yeah, and they're paying potentially ten pound for that. What's a good conversion rate? You know, I would say for that, if you have like a really good funnel, you could probably get five to 10%. Okay, so let's say solar panels cost three grand, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sometimes be a lot higher. Yeah, you know, it five, varies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then you've got, you've paid a grand for yeah. 100 leads. Yeah. And you're lucky, you, you're having a good time if, if between five and 10 of them do it. Yeah. But obviously it makes total sense because you, exactly. they're paid for after you've, if, even if you get 1%, mm-hmm. you probably make money. So- 100%. And then you've also got to think about like, and this is the stuff that people, you don't take into account because you can't measure it in analytics. But let's say, you know, you might, let's go over my protein example. If you use my protein and then you recommend it to three of your friends. Yeah. Oh, well, you can't take you know, it into account. You know, you, you're putting the solar panels up and then, you know, your suddenly goes, four neighbors yeah, are going, exactly. oh, I would like solar panels. So yeah, there's definitely, you know, the good thing about- cold outreach if it were mm. or you know which, which essentially marketing is because the people don't know about you before it's not warm outreach they're not like a warm lead yeah marketing to people who already bought your products the warm the warm lead is that you enter into new markets that you wouldn't currently be in definitely you know if your yeah. solar panels if you're selling them door to door in the newcastle area then mm-hmm. you're limited to that but as soon as you get a, a job in brighton mm-hmm. and now you've got the banner up outside saying we're installing solar panels yeah. save 50% on your energy bill over the next five years or whatever it is, then that kind of knock on effect and it's hard to gauge. 100%. So obviously you're saying there five to 10% is good, but that's with a professional like yourself who's yeah. extremely experienced and good at doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Is Google Ads something people can do for themselves or kind of, but not very well? Yeah, it would it'd honestly depend because there's, there's so many little intricacies that like if you leave one button unchecked or you use the wrong match type for a keyword or... You know, there's lots of little things that if you just press the wrong button, your whole budget's essentially going to disappear and you'll get nothing for it. Right. And I mean, setting up the tracking is is extremely difficult if you're not using, you know, something like Shopify. And so, 
yeah, you can do it yourself, but it depends on how much time this you want to put into it. definitely sounds like the sort of thing where you either pay for something in time or money. Yes, And you should 100%. be paying for this in money. Yeah. Because the time it takes, you're wasting time learning about it when you can use someone who's spending, you know, potentially millions of pounds a year and exactly. add budget. Yeah, yeah. And you just get better. Like yeah. when we do, when, when I've been involved in ads and doing Facebook ads and doing our own Instagram ads, the, the return on investment after I'd spent a couple of hundreds of hundred mm-hmm. pounds was terrible concern compared to the return on investment by the time I'd spent yeah. a couple of thousand because I just knew what worked yeah. more. You know, if that number's a couple of million, then you just so nail down mm-hmm. into what works. And obviously you're spending like the client's ad budget and things. So a client comes to you, what's what's like a usual ad budget? Where where's the sort of figure that people can get started working with a, a, a like a a consultant like yourself yeah so the way it works is what you've got to think about is the ratio of management fee to ad spend and this is, i mean i'm going to go on a bit of a longer answer but to give you a proper idea in case you know people want to use a different freelancer or whatever um if you're paying and i'm going to pull numbers out of thin air let's say you're paying 500 pound a month for the management fee mm-hmm. if you pay 500 pound in ad spend you're going to get 500 pound worth of results right um, from, from his work. If you give that freelancer a grand, you're only paying 33% extra or, or, or however you want to see it, 50% extra, um, but you get 100% more results. And so the ratio of ad spend to management fee has to be, the, the better that is, the more results you're going to get. So, so well, most of them say, right, I take a flat fee, yeah, X, and the ad spends up to you, I suggest for what you want to achieve now, you spend a thousand pound a month and these are the results we'll give you. Obviously, if you then turn around and you're like, yeah, we've absolutely smashed it. There you go. And they've just had 10 grand hit their bank. Mm-hmm. They might say, okay, put an extra two back straight back in or yeah. whatever it might be. Will, will most people who are managing the actual ad spend, will they, will they charge like a flat fee for being the, the consultant who does it? Yeah. Or is it kind of like, is it a bit of a piss take if, you're charging someone 500, say, and you're doing, you know, a th- they might be spending a thousand compared to a different company spending 20 grand a month in their ads. Yeah, definitely. So the way I work is it'll be, you know, 450 pound a day or, or, or you know, for, to, as an absolute, absolute minimum, but then or 8% of the ad spend, whatever's higher. Okay. And so, because there's a minimum amount of work you have to put into, right? Yeah. Whereas if a company said he's 20 grand, all of a sudden I'm like, you're going to have to test a lot more. more work. Yeah. And so, you know, but for a small company that just wants to, you know, a local company that just wants to dip their toes at an absolute minimum, 500 and I've done it for 500 I'd spend before. Yeah. But realistically, you're going to, you'll get a lot better. You'll get double the results really. Yeah. With a grand. And it's not only double the results, it's double the results and then some, because also you'll be able to test more. I yeah. think that's what people sometimes don't understand that, if you if you spend 10x on ads, mm-hmm. it's actually it's not just a 10x incre- increase. Mm-hmm. It's also the ability to get time to yeah get the data at yeah. 10x to go. This works on a on this level. We can you know because you're not going to want to spread the different you know and I don't know how it works with Google Ads, but yeah. I, I understand Facebook. You're not going to want to sp- spread the A beats like split testing so thinly that you're not getting any re- leads back yeah. you're gonna want to spread it like you know maybe you cup two quid on there 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 if you've now got a hundred two quids to play with yeah versus 
10 two quids to play with. And then you actually find that the Goldilocks zone is, is these four creatives here. Exactly. And then you can plow deep into that. Yeah. So it's, it's one of the biggest misconceptions people have is they, they'll say, okay, how long will it, how long will it take until we know? And it's, it's not a matter of time. It's about the data and how much you spend. So, it, you know, for red dresses, we could spend a grand over 30 days, in which case I'd say, okay, we need really 30 days to know if it works. Or we could spend a grand in two days. And it's the same amount of data. You know, there's no difference between yeah. spending it in two days to 30. People are just married to not wanting to spend two grand in two days. Yeah. I think it's yeah. just the kind of, even if they'd rather spend two grand over a month because it seems more sensible. Yeah. Which I think is a, is that a misconception then from them? Because it doesn't really... It, it might just because of a day of a week. Obviously, that's the only factor really. Um, and yeah, you know, clients want to spend the money over an amount of time so we can get the, the, the lead sort of trickling in rather than it just being all at once and then nothing. You don't want to open the floodgates and not be able to manage the demand. Because exactly. now, the next time someone sees your ad, there's no way they're clicking on it because they're going, that shit, they never get back to you. Yeah. And then they, you know, you've absolutely, you're having a nightmare. So mm -hmm. the average, you know, what, what would you say, if someone wants to, you know, get serious about breaking in and starting doing some Google ads, what would you say the kind of minimum investment that they need to have, you know, put away? Because there is people who watch this who've got businesses who are in different industries. So what would you reckon the minimum investment would be? Yeah, I would say probably, you know, you, we would want to test it around two, three months. So you could probably get away with, say, three grand. Three grand. They should yeah. have three grand and that would pay for the ad spend and for the, for the management to, to get somebody to do it. For three months. But add an absolute minimum, really. Ideally, you'd want more, but you could. You can also find out if it works, especially if it's e-com and it's like lower ticket, lower cost per clicks, mm -hmm. um, on lower than that. So you could, you might know within a, the first month if it works, because like let's say, and it is data that you buy back, and I mean that when I say it, it's not just cost, because it, if the cost per click is ten pound, and you spend a thousand, you know you're only going to get a hundred clicks, and a hundred clicks might get you one or two leads or zero leads, but then the next hundred clicks might get you five. And so it is, but if you're getting a thousand clicks, then, you know, it's more statistically significant. So yeah, it depends on the service, but as an absolute minimum, about three grand for three months. Um, and, you know, it's sort of like a ballpark figure. Sometimes you might want to spend that more and get, get, a, get more data back in the first month to know if it works. It totally depends on people's businesses as well. Some people are like totally seasonal businesses. Yeah. Some people run in like cycles where they'll have... Um, They'll have like they're more of a campaign driven enterprise, mm -hmm. so they'll have like campaign goals where they have to have all the leads in by then. Obviously, if you're selling tickets to a concert, it's fucking no point. Yeah. Like you know, <laughs> keeping the ad running after it's finished. Uh, yeah. So it's like building up to that. Yeah. So because I do think there is a lot of people who would massively benefit from Google Ads. I do definitely think that people are not scared of Google Ads, but mm -hmm. definitely you know. the barrier to entry is lower on Facebook ads because they yeah. think, oh, well, you can just chuck 20 quid in and see what happens. And, you know, you might get a lead. And if and it works, like, yeah. you just scale it. But you, you th I think with, um, with Google ads, would you definitely say, you know, you have to have a bit more of capital ready to put into it. It's not like Facebook where you can be like 10 or in, 20. You need mm. to actually, you have to have that money like kind of set aside. And then does it, every time it clicks, does it kind of come off of that? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't It doesn't mean like you need three grand right away, but you might just say, okay, it's going to be a grand a month for the next yeah. two, three months. Is The beauty is, though, that you only pay if you get a click, whereas with 
Facebook ads. Yeah. People can, you could just get no clicks. People could just keep uh-huh. seeing your stuff, yeah. seeing it, seeing it, seeing it. It's CPM. So it's just, you know, cost per thousand people who view it. Yeah. And you know, then that's on you. There's a, there's a lot more creative, um, onus on the mm. individual to be like, to create something that looks good. Yeah. Whereas Google ads outside of the e-commerce shop bit at the top, yeah, it's largely, it's just copy, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what it's, you've mixed two really good points together, which can be answered. To, so it's, you've, yes, yeah, thanks. So what you've got is you've got the shopping part, which is absolutely in the search part, people will click on those. And I've learned this. People will click on those no matter what. So you could put like the copy in could be completely different to the keyword can have nothing to do with it. And I've seen it when mistakes have been made at agencies, et cetera, and people will still click. So you'll still get charged. Um, but what you can do is this remarketing in Google, which is actually display. And so the display ads, which will be on the side of websites like the sun has it on eBay, even have Google ads, which is really funny. I'll just, and it's like banners across websites and for them, that's, that's all, it's all visual and yeah, because people tend to not click on them, you can get absolutely ridiculous CP, CPMs. Um, so I have a client, we do, it's only remarketing. So it's big ticket, you know, probably one mil plus contracts, insurance software. Um, and we're doing a remarketing campaign for them. And they had 288,000 impressions for 200 pounds. Right. And it's because, because they're only playing per click and just, we had 88 clicks. It's so niche as well. Like you were just, so few people would click on that because it would apply to so few people. But then what that means is that the people that come onto the website see those ads everywhere. Like you cannot escape it. Like we had their directors being like, God, we cannot get away from these ads, which is a good thing because it means a brand recall is is out of this world. And you do like, after you've seen something a few times, you start trusting it because you've seen it more. And rightly or wrongly, you just, you familiarize with it. So you're like, Oh yeah, those guys again, those guys again. Well, fuck, they must be legit. Yeah. Because I keep seeing them everywhere. Yeah. And they don't know that they, you've just got like this, they're just following those individuals around mm-hmm. because they've they've gave it some sort of like they've looked at it a little bit. Yeah. Um so outside of the ad side of things, then obviously the rest of Google, search engine optimization, mm-hmm. you know, you peep it's a buzzword. You mm-hmm. hear people talking about it all the time. I yeah. think most people probably don't even understand what it means. Yeah. They think, you know, I'll write a blog and then my pl- <laughs> my, I'm, I'm optimized yeah. and, and everything's going well. What is it? What, what can people be doing from an SEO perspective themselves? And, and when's it time to bring in an expert? Yeah. So honestly, I think people could do an absolute ton of SEO themselves, but there's so much bad information out there on SEO. It's ridiculous. And like the whole blogging thing is the perfect example for most companies. Blogging is absolutely useless from an SEO perspective. Um, and, and so even but, if they're adding keywords, even if they're adding keywords, especially if they're adding keywords. Um, and, and that's, that's the sad thing is that, you know, SEO, it is, it is difficult and it, it is hard, but at the same time, there's very easy steps that companies could be doing that, could get them SEO results and they, they wouldn't need an expert for, but you just have to know how to navigate that information. And it's really difficult. For example, the title of a page, it's called the meta title. And it's, you know, it's typically what you, you call a page on a website. If you make the title of a page, something that someone would search for, 
there's a very good chance that you will rank, you know, for, for local companies, for some really small companies, if there's not a lot of competition, you could rank on the front page just doing that. So if you call the page, how to become a personal trainer, for example, I just use these examples because yeah. I understand it. Because yeah. If you called the page, how to become a personal trainer. You would have to do that to rank for that term, but that's a nationwide term. You're not going to outrank all the massive companies that, that do that. Right. Unless you are a massive company yourself. That's doing it. Okay. But it, let's say you're a plumber in Newcastle. Yes. And you name your page plumber Newcastle, you could absolutely rank for that. Really? That's something mm -hmm. that people just would not think. And so blogging for a plumber is absolutely useless if you're not doing the basics of just trying to optimize your service Calling pages. Calling the name, the pages. So yeah. you, could, you could call the... So each page, you could have them as like, say, for example, you were a national company. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, could have happens. You could have each yeah. page called like courses in Newcastle, absolutely. courses in here, yeah. courses in here. And then the chances are... And then you'll see, oh, we've actually gotten loads of people coming through from Gateshead. Yeah. You might then go, well, why don't we look at putting some money into searching that? Because that's obviously something that people are looking for yeah. that doesn't have a lot of hot competition. Yeah, typically I'll do it the other way around where I'll do search for a company because and then that allows us to test what the conversion rate's going to be. Right. And so we'll know if we're top for this page, how many clicks are we going to get? How many conversions will we get? And then we can say, okay, well, actually... If we ranked organically for that, we'd get just as many clicks, if not more, because typically more oh, people click on the organic. So we know that's a good keyword to target. Yeah, I skip the ads. Yeah, a lot of people do. Is yeah. that... Because I think... Why do I think that people <laughs> who've just paid for it are going to be less of a good choice than people who have ranked organically? Unless... Sometimes the people who are ranking organically are also, also people paid, who are doing yeah. the ads. I see that more more mm -hmm. often than not. Yeah. In which case, because I know they pay per click, yeah. I just click on their normal one. <laughs> you're a nice guy. Because I'm yeah. like, well, I'm going <laughs> to click on it anyway. I'm not Because you know that they pay for the click, so uh -huh. you're like... Well, you know, sometimes what you can do is be nice to the people like me. If you know you're going to convert, click on uh, the ads, and then they'll get all the benefit, and it'll look good for them. So uh, sometimes right. it's nice to do it the other way. Yeah. You didn't, I didn't think about yeah, that. You, but, that's why you can't be a good person anymore. No. Because you always like, <laughs> you it, always, it's like, it's like you ever seen The Good Place on yeah. Netflix. No. It's no. this thing about like getting into heaven and like uh -huh. nobody gets in anymore because somewhere down the line, it's so you've like, bad. you used antiseptic and you killed a beetle or something. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or you like, yeah, yeah you killed a turtle with a straw you had. But, so it's like impossible, yeah. In, in terms of SEO, so the way Google actually got ahead of their entire competition. So pre-Google and I wasn't, you know, I can't remember this, but I've heard I remember stories. Ask Jeeves. Yeah, so it was Ask Jeeves. Well, yeah. they use a similar thing. So Are they still around? I don't think so. Is anyone running Ask Jeeves ads? I don't think so. No. No, pop, no. pay per clicks like 0.1p yeah. on an Ask There's ask, one ask that plants trees. I think that's the second second highest one I've seen. Is Yahoo still a thing? I think so. Oh, that's actually the main search engine in, in Indonesia, I think. Yahoo. Or Taiwan. Yeah, everyone uses Ta uh, Yahoo instead of Google. Yeah. It's interesting. Interesting. So, Taiwan. The way, the way Google got ahead of all of its competition, instead of just listing pages like the yellow, like the yellow pages, you used to just list websites alphabetically. Um, what Google did is they looked at scientific journals. And scientific journals, the way people sort of hold scientists in and have reputation is by how much their papers are cited. Right. And so if you're like, if you look at the top five cited scientists, they're all like, it's like Tesla, Einstein, Newton, you know. Right, okay. As you'd expect. How many other people have use their work as a... Exactly. Right. And so Google looked at that and thought, okay, we can use this for, for, for SEO. And essentially, if you are, if, if, if you link to a website, that is like an endorsement. 
and that's how Google sees it. Right. And so, and how many endorsements you have um, influences how big your endorsement is of another company. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's basically, it's just links, like literal, like links. Yeah, that you can it's click like on. a hierarchy. Exactly. It's, you know, yeah, this yeah, person 100%. is well-respected and they yeah. think this thing's well-respected. Therefore. So that thing's really well-respected. Yeah. And if God, if they think something else well-respected, then it must be really, really well-respected. And that's how backlinks work, yeah. And then that's, you know, so the best way to get optimized on Google is to do stuff that people share. Yeah. Outside of Google, extent. probably. So yeah. have something that's noteworthy of, you know, say getting people to share wow mm-hmm. this thing is really good information yeah so there's two basic ways of, of building links nowadays modern one of them is paying for them and a lot of agencies will advise companies not to do that but actually it's in their best interest to do it to pay for for the link so literally just give them money for it so i will go to a blogger who has a lot of backlinks themselves they're well respected in a field and saying will you link to my website and they'll say yes if you give me 200 pounds and they know the deal you know the deal you do it and and that's how a lot of people get links and that's a, a great way of doing it because trying to build something that people share is extremely hard yeah so the second way of getting backlinks is something it's trying called, to create viral content it's yeah. like the there's so many so factors that contribute to it and sometimes you have to promote things paid first yeah. you know work with influencers mm-hmm. because then you can create things organically once people have seen it and they trust it and they like it and then other people share it because that person shared it okay yeah, yeah. okay so step one i'm going to try and get links backlinks to my website and yeah. i can check that on ahrefs free backlink checker okay so i can go on there and check check how many i've got yeah and i can also go out to other people who've got good backlinks yeah and then i can some value proposition Mm -hmm. to get them to link to my website, regardless of how I do that. I'll figure out a way of doing it. Yeah. There's, there's companies out there that we could do that with, Mm -hmm. and it can't be through like YouTube and stuff like that. No, it has to be through their actual URL website. Exactly. Cool. No problem. We can figure the people can figure that out. Yeah. Next thing they would start their own blog Mm -hmm. where they would go on a H backlink checker yeah and they would see right what how is how is this keyword or mm-hmm. key phrase gonna and you know how is this actually doing yeah okay these these businesses have got 100 backlinks yeah is that how is it is that how it's measured and yeah literally like it could be amount i mean you know as an expert you'd probably look at how many backlinks the people who are given them the links to because you know, a hundred links from random crappy sites. Right. They're not going to be worth anything. A hundred links from like the Guardian BBC, you're like, oh God, that's a lot. But right. th- it gives you an actual score that measures this. Okay. So it gives you a score that out shows- Out of a hundred. Okay. So it gives you a score. So someone's someone's 30 out of a hundred. Yes. You're 30 out of a hundred. Yeah. You go, right, this is- Someone's 70 out of a hundred. You go, ah, oh, fuck yeah, it. I can't compete with them. But <laughs> yeah. eventually you'll be 70. So then yeah. you can do as well. So you go 30 out of a hundred. Yeah. You go, right. So my- keyword my the, the name of this blog is going to be how to become a personal trainer in newcastle yeah and, that, and then so now i've wrote that blog about that then what's next um right so there's this sort of different rules that you need to adhere to when you're doing this so the first thing is you want to put your and you know don't have enough time to go through all of them but yeah what you'll want to do is put the keyword in the meta title 
um, in the meta description. And normally this is just in the back end, if it's on like WordPress or whatever, it'll have a section for this. Um, you want to make sure the keywords included in the content. Um, you want an image on there, at least one image. More than one doesn't help, less than one will harm you. It has to be at least at least one. Mm -hmm. um, there's alt text. Is, the, is it good if the picture is related to what you've just said? So yeah. maybe a picture of Newcastle? Definitely. I mean, Google has reversed image. So one of the things people theorize, we don't know 100%, is that they will actually sort of resolve this image, see what it is, and then that could help you rank in for sure. Right. Um, you want to put the alt text, which is like a bit of text you're going to sign. Should it be your own picture? Probably. I mean, that would be better. Okay. Yeah, but we don't know for sure, to be honest. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, you want the alt text for an image, which is, you know, it's meant to be for blind people, but also the file that name explains of the what the image is. Yeah, just literally put the keyword in there. Right. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that would be a good place to start. And that's a good place to start. And then hopefully people can start getting ranked a little bit and then, you know, make some sales off it. And then I think definitely the, the crux of this conversation is once you get to a stage where you're ready to spend money on Google ads, it's time to reach out to someone like yourself. So if people, you know, what's, what's the avatar of the sort of business that you would like to work with? Like what, who are the sort of businesses that should think about like contacting you personally yeah like what what do they look like what's a, a good business for you to work with yeah i think it'd just be anyone who wants to grow their business it, like has the capacity to grow because you know one of the worst things is working with a company but then they're fully booked within a month and you have to turn them off so yeah ideally you've got a lot of capacity um you don't you're not relying on this as a sole sort of sales channel because mm -hmm. you need to be getting sales and otherwise if you're yeah. totally relying on Google ads and there's, it's a super high pressure environment, you know, it might take two or three months to get right. So yeah. make sure you've already got the business set up and make sure people want your, your business. Yeah. Um, and want your, it has to be know, tested elsewhere. Because exactly. the last thing you want to do is it's, it's not terrible making mistakes when you've got five, 10 clients, Yeah. you know, you can fix those mistakes. You can plaster over them. You can have personal relationships. You can speak to people, Yeah. people who grow too big, too fast. They, the mistakes that they make are huge and the consequences are dire because there's so many moving parts and there's so many people to say, this was shit, this didn't work. Yeah. And one thing I found, especially if you're in any sort of industry, whatever industry you're in, no matter how fucking big you think it is, <laughs> it's not that big. Mm -hmm. Because if you work in any sort of industry, whether it's education or finance or tech or anything, mm -hmm. you can. I thought education was a massive industry. There's hundreds of colleges and I go from one college and I work with another college and someone from that college is working there. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, this world's tiny. Yeah, yeah. And if you've left a negative impression on people, that can really fuck up how people perceive you moving forward. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that you've always got to play the long game with clients. And that's what you sort of links back to what we were talking about before in terms of, you know, being willing to turn away a business. Yeah, that's awesome. Because it's, it's the long game essentially, because I've never... And obviously some of them haven't played out yet, but almost all the times I've turned away a business, it's ended up coming back even bigger and even better, mm -hmm. whether it's been a referral or whether it's decided later down the line when it is right for them, they've come back yeah. to me. Or there's been times when I've turned a certain part of work away and said, that's not going to make a difference to your business. Um, and then they've come back and have had an even bigger sort of proposition and contract. So yeah, yeah, 100%. And I, I think the companies that want to work with me, I think are just people who, 
Yeah, it can be any sort of industry that I don't really do any specialisms. Um, but just someone that wants someone that can trust in isn't just trying to grab their money. Yeah, and, and run. You know, I'm a, I'm a genuine expert, and I'll, I'll you know I'll just be completely transparent and honest at all at all points. Yeah, mate. Thank you so much for coming in. It's been really educational for me. So hopefully, you know, a lot of people will have seen that there's a lot more to Google Ads, but also that it's definitely something that they can be looking at. Um, getting involved with because I think that you know there's so much uncertainty out there I do think there's you know you should always have a few different streams of ways of getting like leads into your business 100%. but I think once you get to a stage where you can afford to outsource some of that you know nothing would fill most business owners or self-employed people with joy more than just having sales going into their business it. like yeah. bing 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 through a funnel paying or even like a really qualify what did you call them a sales ready lead, sales qualified lead yeah sales qualified lead yeah. someone who's like went out of their way and said i want this service yeah. i've seen you on google i've been through your website i've been through the competitor's website i've chose to get in touch with you i'm ready to work you know that takes a lot of pressure off business owners yeah. and you know a sale especially in a service industry mm-hmm. you know if you just had a money hit your stripe account and mm-hmm. people are ready to rock and roll and you just really you know that's a that's that's life-changing for some people in 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 their industry so yeah definitely um it's been really really interesting um hearing about you do and yeah keen to see how you continue evolving with it thank you awesome cheers Cheers, again thank you appreciate it yeah likewise